for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Would of course like to welcome you guys again to Believer's Church. Thank you for being with us today. Today is going to be an absolutely wonderful day because I think that we're going to be speaking, as I I feel strongly that we have through this series, directly into the hearts and the lives of some of you that are here. Some of you came here because you were invited by a friend. You've heard a little bit of a buzz about what's going on at the church, or you're here every week and expected it maybe to be another Sunday. But for some of you, what we're going to talk about today is going to speak directly into where you are. There's going to be one, more than one person that leaves here today that's going to say, you were speaking to me. That message was for me. I think there's going to be several of us, myself included. Prior to accepting the position of lead pastor at Destination Community Church in Kentucky, a wonderful church, I reached out to a financial advisor that I would call a friend of the family. That's what I'll call this individual. This is a person that I trust very much that also happens to not be a church person, that doesn't attend church on a, on a regular basis. You can imagine my surprise and my disappointment when he told me that it would be a mistake to take the position at the church. It it didn't make financial sense, was what he told me. All right, and those are the kinds of things that you hear sometimes when you do things that seem irrational or crazy for God. And the the thought of, of, of not being able to take care of my family or someone viewing my calling as a way to not be able to provide for my family was obviously something that was discouraging, but just to be completely honest with you, messed with me a little bit. Had a very hard time as I knew that God was calling me, but the affirmation of this individual in my life was something that was very important. It's somebody that I care about. So this would be the first time in full-time pastoral ministry that I faced what we will call a a Red Sea moment, okay? Now, fast forward and look at this three and a half years that I was there where we saw absolutely incredible things happen. My family never went without. In fact, we never even came close to going without. We saw countless lives, countless lives changed. Addicts. Uh, raised from the dead, uh, people that were in places that w- where they just simply could not believe in God, still following Jesus uh, to this day. So it was a very, very difficult thing. And when we left Kentucky, here's another interesting point. We had paid off all of our debt, um, except for a little bit of, stu- well, a lot of student loan debt. I'm not gonna lie, a little bit of student loan debt. There's some stu- Amen? Anybody else in here? Yeah, some student loan debt, and also just a little bit of medical, but no cars, no home, no, no debt of, no credit cards, you know, no, no debt of any kind uh, with, with that stuff, all right? 
Had I followed the advice of this individual, my life would have been less stressful. I don't think there's any question about that. I could have possibly opened myself up more to my dreams and the things that I've always wanted to do, but I would have been absolutely miserable. And the reason I would have been absolutely miserable is because I know the experience of about 12 years of living outside of my calling, and it was the 12 worst and hardest years of my life. We're in the eighth part. We're getting there, 10 parts. We're in the eighth part of a series titled Out of Egypt. And we're getting to the meat of our story as the children of Israel are now being led directly into the wilderness. And today we're at the Red Sea, one of the most exciting parts of the Torah, in my opinion. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. Your weekly reading, if you are still following along with that, was to read Exodus chapter 14. And I'll be honest with you, this whole chapter is so good that I wanted to read the whole thing, but then I thought, well, that's going to take forever. So I'm going to skip around in kind of a weird way. So while you can turn in your Bible to Exodus 14 if you want to, it's probably going to be a little bit easier to follow it on the screen because there's going to be a little bit of skipping around. You'll see whenever the verses are pulled up here um, how we're skipping, if they can go ahead and do that real quick. You, you see the different places that we're going to be, so it's a little bit of skipping around. Definitely go back and look at Exodus 14 if you haven't looked at it already. And I'm going to try not to mess up as I go through my Bible and read it. So chapter 10, chapter 14, verse 10 starts out saying this. As Pharaoh drew closer, the Israelites looked back and saw the Egyptians marching toward them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away from to die in the desert? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt like this? Didn't we tell you the same thing in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us work for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to work for the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses said to the people, and this is the most common phrase. I think it's important to point this out. This is the most common phrase in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You just keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is really important right here, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to get moving. As for you, lift your shepherd's rod, stretch it out over the sea, and split it in two so that the Israelites can go into the sea on dry ground. Notice that, into the sea, yet on dry ground. Skip down to verse 19. God's messenger, who had been in front of Israel's camp, moved and went behind them. The column of cloud that we had been talking about last week that led them moved from the front and took its place behind them. It stood between Egypt's camp and Israel's camp. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord pushed the sea back by strong east wind all night, turning the sea into dry land. The waters were split into two. The Israelites walked into the sea on dry ground. The waters formed a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians chased them and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and cavalry. Down to verse 26. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters come back and cover the Egyptians, their chariots, and their cavalry. Going up to verse 28, and then we'll finish down to verse 30. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the cavalry. Pharaoh's entire army that followed him into the sea, not one of them remained. The Israelites, however, walked onto dry ground through the sea. The waters formed a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. The Lord rescued Israel from the Egyptians that day. Israel saw the Egyptians dead and on the seashore. This is perhaps the one time in Jewish history in which the Jews did not have to stand up for themselves and they could simply rely on God. This is one of many ways in which the Exodus is this very unique event. So Moses gives this command to the people not to be afraid. Now they have every reason in the world to be afraid. All right, you can imagine, and this is what we're talking about with these Red Sea moments. On one side, you have chariots and horses blazing toward you, and on the other side of you, nothing but sea. All right? Surrounded. Have you ever been in that situation before? Have you been in a place before where you feel like, regardless of what you do, there are really no good options? Impossible circumstances. And some of you are in that situation today. You feel like what is in front of you right now is impossible circumstances, regardless of which direction that you decide to go. But Moses has a command for them that in theory, all right, in theory sounds very good. And under normal circumstances, it would be very good. And this is what he says, don't be afraid. Stand your ground. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you're never going to see again. The Lord will fight for you. Just keep still. So in every way, that really sounds like good advice. And it really matches up with a lot of what we've talked about in this series. So before you write all this down, or take a picture of this slide and think, this is what I'm going to do. This is not actually what they were commanded to do. Moses actually misunderstood what God was commanding, as we often misunderstand what God is commanding. And this looks so many different ways. How many of you have started dating this girl, or you've started dating this guy, or you've looked at this job as perfect, and because it's been what you've wanted, you've immediately said, well, this must be God's will for my life. This must be his thing. It doesn't matter if this woman is absolutely horrible for you, and dating her is the worst possible decision that you could make. This has got to be God. Why? Because you feel happy. Because you've got that direct dopamine shot right to your brain and you're in love and you've got all those butterflies. Well, this must just be God blessing me. Often God, and this is what we're focusing on today, is actually telling us the opposite. So Moses misunderstands what God is commanding and we see this in verse 15. This is what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell, tell the people to get moving. 
Not to stand still. Not to have that patient zen moment of waiting that we often need and some of you really struggle with. No, it's time for them to go. It's time for them to move. It's a misunderstanding on his part. So is this advice great? Well, of course it is. And under so many circumstances in your life, it's what you're supposed to listen to. But there is a time that you are supposed to stay still, and there is a time that you are supposed to move. And you need to understand the difference. And being able to discern that difference is absolutely critical. So here's the point. Every believer, every follower of Jesus goes through what we might call Red Sea moments. And some of you in here today, no doubt, are going through what we would call a Red Sea moments moment. This is when the options don't look good regardless of where you are and things feel impossible. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to, to make a declaration today. Though the altar will be opened as the service closes, the altar is opened all the time if you need to pray, if you need to pray right now. But some of you are going through this moment right now where regardless of what decision you make, it feels like your options are really, really bad. Chariots blazing on one side, nothing but ocean on the other side. What is it that you are going to do? Now, the key to these moments in your life will always be obedience. And that's why you must learn the ability to pay attention to what God is trying to tell you. This is what we're going to talk about today. So let's consider the differences between obedience and standing still. All right, now please understand this first. Sometimes standing still is obedience. All right, sometimes it is. But today it's not. Because some of you are being asked to move. You are being asked because you have no control over that army that's following you. The question is, are you going to trust God to part the seas? So you are being asked to move. You see, much of the journey that we've been on for the last seven weeks has involved waiting. It's involved being still. It's involved patience. Moses being hidden as a child was a time of waiting. Forty years in Midian is a long period of waiting. Through the training and the plagues, there were all these periods of waiting. But now God is telling the people, it is time to go. Now I want you to get this right here. Because this is the problem we are facing. This is why the church looks the way that it does. And this is something that you really need to understand today if you are a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say this a couple times. One of the most important things that you will ever learn spiritually is the ability to discern when you're supposed to wait and when you're supposed to go. All right? One of the most important things, because discernment is an important spiritual gift that we all need to get. 
as we mature in our relationship with Jesus. One of the most important things that you will ever learn spiritually is the ability to discern when you're supposed to wait and when you're supposed to go. Now, why does the church in North America look the way that it does? Please hear this right here. One of the greatest problems in the life of the church right now is that we have people that are supposed to be waiting, moving a thousand miles an hour. These are, these are the Matt Smiths in the house. These are the individuals that they believe if they are standing still, they are not doing for Jesus. So they go and they go and they go and they go and they go. And let's be honest, they wear themselves out in their own flesh and strength and God has nothing to do with it. You have people that are in the church and they go and they go and they go and they do and they do and they do and they have no idea what it means to wait on the power and the presence of God. Because you want to know the truth? I'll, I'll, just, I'll just be vulnerable about this because I know I'm speaking to at least 10 or 15 people in here. When we slow down and we stop, we feel worthless. And we don't necessarily want to have to look real close at what's inside of here. So we compensate by doing and doing and doing. One of the greatest problems in the life of the church is that we have people that are supposed to be waiting, moving a thousand miles an hour. Here's the other problem. We have people that are supposed to be going, and that's some of you in here right now, in your Red Sea moment, wasting precious time because of fear. You've made this chair in this building for the last 10 years, 12 years, a very, very comfortable place. The people that you're supposed to be talking to at your job, the calling that God is moving you toward, the prayer life that you are supposed to deepen, those sins that you're supposed to sacrifice, the way that you're supposed to vocalize what God is doing in your heart and in your life. You don't have the problem that I have. I have the problem of saying something when I don't even have something to say. All right? The problem some of you has is you got a lot to say, but you are mobilized by fear. And the enemy has you exactly where he wants you. Even Moses was confused by the Red Sea moment. Moses thinks he's being this wonderful leader. And Moses tells the people, I'm, I'm sure I can just see him. He, almost, he must think he's a Buddhist in this moment. Be still. Just, just be calm. Meditate. Think about this. And God's like, no, idiot. They're supposed to move. There's an army coming. We've got to do something. There is a moment to stand still and wait and be patient and discern. But there is also a moment to move. So he's telling the Israelites, stand firm, watch the Lord, be still. But God is saying that the time of waiting and watching is over. It is now time to move. For some of you in here right now, do you feel that push? Do you feel that within you telling you that it's time to move? You see, Believer's Church uh, is not simply going to have a breakthrough moment when Matt Smith becomes the pastor. That's not only naive, it's extremely sinful and arrogant. But whenever others are pushed out of their sin, when others are pushed into their calling, when other people say, I don't care about the consequences. I'm going to follow Jesus regardless of what it takes. I only have one life. It's here right now. Then eternity. 
I am going to make the decision right now to live the rest of my life passionately full of Jesus. And if we have a collection of people that start to do that in these Red Sea moments, we're going to see a movement of God like the Tri-Cities has never seen. But the question is, are you going to wake up? Are you going to internalize what God is doing within you? So I shared this Red Sea moment with you earlier that I had, that I have a friend uh, that, that you know, told me it may be, not be in the best interest of my family to take the job at Destination Community Church. But I'm being told by God, I made you. I know what's best for you. Someone sitting behind a desk doesn't know what's best for you. Someone in your life telling you what you need to do with your life doesn't know what's best for you. God knows what's best for you. Step out. Move. The doubts, the insecurities, the nights that you stay up awake, when you continually think about what am I supposed to do, what am I supposed to do, you trust God. Not Moses in this situation. If they would have trusted Moses, they'd have been plowed down by the army. You move. You go forward. You listen to God despite the best advice you could possibly get because your rewards are not here. Your rewards are in another place. A Red Sea moment is almost always going to feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And there is really no good decision. And you want to know the worst part about Red Sea moments? You're not going to like this because this is typically what we trust. All right? The worst part and the hardest part of Red Sea moments, the moments that some of you are in right now, are your senses. All right? Your senses. And this is really a problem. And the reason that this is a problem is because much of our logic and much of our ability to make good decisions comes from our senses. So this is one of the biggest issues that we end up having. So I want you to listen to this analogy right here. I want you to think about your senses. You know what your senses are. Listen to this. All right, you're trying to trust God. You're doing your best to trust God. But you can, you can hear the chariots coming. Some of you can. The screams Hundreds of horses, the sounds of weapons. Your body right now, for some of you, is full of anxiety. You can see out in front of you a vast body of water. It never ends. You ever notice that about the ocean? When you look out, it never ends. Waves forever. You can feel this is a big one. The fear in your stomach. And you, know, you want to know what you say whenever you feel that st fear in your stomach? And I've said it before. God has all but left me behind. That's what you tell yourself when you feel that fear. You can touch the ground. And you know that if you're touching that ground, as you're approaching a body of water, it may be the last time you ever feel dirt. Or the earth. Some of you are being called to let some of those things go. You can smell the ocean. And it makes you feel so far removed from where you have been in the desert and the dirt of Egypt. And this right here is for someone today. Please hear this. Your senses will cause you to internalize everything that could go wrong. 
and they will make God a liar in your life. If you follow your senses and you trust in your emotions and everything that you hear, everything that you see, everything that you can feel, the enemy will work within that and make God a liar in your life. And these are the kind of practical everyday things, 2020, the kinds of things that you're going to hear. God can't forgive me. Your senses will tell you miracles don't happen. Your senses will tell you God can't save your coworker. Your senses are going to tell you you can't overcome addiction. Your senses are going to tell you your marriage can never work. You want to know the best part about these Red Sea moments? That's the worst. The best part about these Red Sea moments is this. For those who practice obedience, God always parts the waters. He always parts the waters. For us, this feels impossible. But this is what God does in 21 and 22. The Lord pushed back the sea. The Lord pushed back the sea by strong east wind all night. So not just for a second. Can you imagine, because I've thought about this before, if you are just walking along and you are looking to your left and you are looking to your right and the sea, there is no Hollywood film. There is no production that can produce what this would actually look like. And he turns it into dry land. The waters were split into two. The Israelites walked into the sea on dry land. Your senses and God's ability to part the waters. Your senses, what you can see, know, feel, and understand, and God parting the waters. Two options, okay? Two choices. I often carry a quarter around. I've used this analogy a lot in the last several years, but I've, I've never used it here. Okay, so I want you to imagine with me because this is a good way to give uh, this uh, metaphor so that you guys can understand. The way that I look at life is that life on heads describes everything that I can feel, touch, know, internalize and understand in this world. Someone passes away, I feel tremendous pain, that's heads. Getting a really bad argument with one of my kids or with my wife, that's heads. I don't know the circumstances of what's about to happen six months down the road because there's confusion. Am I going to have a job? Am I going to have this? Am I going to have that? That's heads. The difficulty, the insecurity, the things that I fight within me, the God, you don't love me, I'm confused, none of this makes sense, that's heads. Now, please understand this because it's made a radical difference in my life. Tails, on the other hand, are the things that I cannot see. Tails represents the work that God is doing through all of the trouble, all of the pain, all of the wilderness experiences, all of the destruction, all of the difficulty, all of the questions, all of the confusions, here's the thing. I can't see tells. I can't see that side. But I can make 
the conscious decision every single day of my life, and I do, to live on tails. Now, did you know that sometimes I pull over in my car? This is how real this is to me. And I take a quarter out, and I place it at 6 o'clock on my steering wheel on tails. And I just stare at it. Because I'm hurting so bad, and the pain is so real, and the darkness is so great, that I have absolutely no idea what to do. Red Sea moment. Now see, the problem is that many of you that are in here right now that are listening online, you live your life on heads. All right? You see your paycheck get cut. You see the struggles within your family life. You internalize the difficulty at your job. You've made God a liar. You live within the confusion and the frustration and all of those things that you sense, feel, and hear all of the time, which makes God a liar. So what I'm going to challenge you to do, and maybe for a few weeks, you just need to carry a quarter around with you in your pocket or any form of change. And sometimes that you, you need to turn it over and understand that there is this dynamic supernatural world at work that if you lean into, it's going to completely transform everything about the way you see this world. I don't know how many times I've driven away from the house in an argument. I don't know how many times I've had a bad uh, church meeting or, or, or difficult things that I've been through, worries, concerns, all these things that people think about. And I just need to flip it over and focus on the supernatural work of God. When you do this, these Red Sea moments become so much easier to confront. So what some of you need to do as you deal with depression, as you deal with insecurity, as you deal with tremendous guilt, as you deal with doubts about what God can do, and if the work of God depends completely on your emotional state at all times for the good and for the bad, you need to learn what it means to live your life on the supernatural side. So I made the decision to live on tells. Many of you that are going through these moments right now, again, to define this, this is when options don't look good. Regardless of where you are, things feel very impossible. You've got the chariots you know, blazing forward in this direction, and you've got this ocean right in front of you. This is what you need to understand. The army is out of your control. Life circumstances are always going to be out of your control. There, control's an illusion, by the way. There is very little in your life that you can actually control. But can you trust God to part the waters of the sea? The reality of the promised land does not happen if they don't make it through that sea. If he doesn't part the waters of the sea. So here's your application today as it applies to some of you. Get moving. And practice obedience. I know that there are some of you in here that are natured like me, and patience has become, my patience has become so much stronger 
as a pastor over time because it's had to because I've had to look at a lot of my own mistakes. But some of you that are always clutching your seat, asking those what if questions, what if I did really step forward? What if I really did deal with this thing in my life? What if I did leave this person? What if I did give everything to God? Get moving and practice obedience. That is what God is telling us today. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to get moving. As we discern and search within our hearts, as we close right now, I want to repeat something that I said earlier because I believe it's worth repeating. One of the greatest problems in the life of the church right now is that we have people that are supposed to be waiting, moving a thousand miles an hour. And we have people that are supposed to be going, wasting precious time because of fear. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed, I want to recognize, because I try to do this as often as possible, those of you that are in these Red Sea moments, those of you that are in a place of darkness, in a place of struggle, where you're having a very, very difficult time making a decision, making a critical decision that you know you have to make, or there's just confusion. There's confusion in your life because your senses are sending you in so many different directions and you don't know or understand exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. If that's you and you're in here today, would you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Anyone else in here today? Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? This is a very, very real thing. Thank you. What I want to do is pray for you guys because I'm, I'm going to say this again before we go into prayer. Uh, to, have a, to have a good worship pastor, to have a pastor that, that has vision and direction, to have a small handful of good people that, that, are, that are doing incredible things in the church, to have a few people that maybe financially do okay and keep the lights on and, and you know, the air condition and the heat in the winter, uh, those are okay. But the body is mobilized whenever they recognize these Red Sea moments. When they have this turning point, what I often call, to be honest with you, a second conversion. A time in which we step into a new transformative place in which God is doing work. That is my prayer for you today. Father, we lift you up as we go further into worship. God, that we praise you. That we lift you up in every possible way, Father, uh, recognizing that we are turning over all of the glory, Father, from ourselves and to you. God, as we open this altar up, if anyone needs to come forward and pray, Father, if anyone needs to spill out their situation, God, and stop trusting in emotion and trust more, Father, in the work that you want to do in their lives, God, if it helps them, the analogy of, of, of using this coin and seeing the two choices, the choices that they have in life that are such different dynamics. Father, my prayer today is that you will place us in a deep 
space of Holy Spirit conviction so that we can turn from who we were and embrace the newness that you have for us. And we ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.